welcome to episode two of Undefined with Josina Anderson. That'd be me. Listen, we appreciate your support on the Undefined with JosinaAnderson.com platform. And in the upcoming weeks, I hope to share more of the insight that I gained from around the National Football League as an insider. But because this was a very important week with the presidential debate, we have on two special guests to help elucidate some of the issues that are going on across this country. Uh, but before we get to that, you know we are going to have two comedians on to rip the headlines with us this week that are going on across the country. So with with that, we'll start off with the newspaper with T segment. We want to welcome in Roy Wood to the Undefined Lounge again. He is an actor, comedian. You see him on Trevor Noah's The Daily Show, and also he's a producer and writer. So welcome, Roy Wood, back to the Undefined Lounge. How you Lounge. been? I'm good. How I'm you good. been? Good to be back. I, I put a little makeup on for y'all this time. I'm, I'm a little bit better than the sweatpants and stuff I had on last time. I forgot to compliment your couch. That's one of them nice couch. That's one of them, Shula, like that's it? one of them couches you see on them black TV shows. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, this is from Wayfair. This was only $300. I got me a good deal on this now. Come on now. Uh -huh. That came got with a glass of wine. Got the secure couch yeah, yeah. with the good lighting. Yeah. <laughs> we try, we try. And of course, you guys see in the upper part of the screen, Shuler King. We want to welcome him into the Undefined Lounge. You've seen him on the last two seasons of Wildin' Out. He is a popular social media content creator and also, guys, a funeral director. We got to talk about that. Welcome in Shuler King. Hey, what's going on? Man, yeah. uh, let, me, let me correct you on something. It was okay, the, please. The last one and a half seasons of Wildin' Out. Okay, the last one and a half. Listen, I'm trying to give you more runtime, so hey. Yeah, that was a little bit of an abrupt ending oh, to that last okay. season. Okay. Well, it's full, half, yeah. one quarter, one third. We'll call it what it is. <laughs> listen, one no problem. What the hell? What, what the hell? <laughs> something, and something else in an episode and a half. But listen, real quick, since you are a funeral director, I just wanted to ask you, what do you do when somebody can't pay for the funeral? <laughs> Has it ever happened? Yeah, okay. don't oversell people's don't stuff. Oversell. You know, just give them what they can afford. You know right. what I mean? What What if you got the body and then they come in like the day before the funeral? Yeah, I thought my check was gonna hit, but we ain't gonna. We gonna need to push oh, no, this funeral that, back that, by that, three that, weeks. That don't, that don't happen. We have a little process. We make sure everything's taken care of before you know. Okay, before they know about the basic, the gold, and the <laughs> platinum man. package beforehand. Okay. Yeah, yeah, we. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, listen, we got to move sure, on. This on a cash-only funeral home. That's what he's trying listen, to tell you. Hey, listen, cash app, make sure you get your funds, okay? <laughs> All right, now, let's move on, guys. I want to know how you guys are feeling about the future of the country this morning after watching, I'm sure, hopefully, that presidential debate between Donald Trump and Joe Biden last night. I thought they were going to fight. Um, <laughs> to be honest with you. What I love is how Trump kept talking to Joe Biden, and Joe Biden were like, <laughs> That's yeah. how you call him. American people. <laughs> yeah. He kept blinking. America. He kept, he kept blinking. Talk to you. Biden and Trump look like that couple that be arguing in public, but the dude ain't trying to snap because they in the middle of an Applebee's. Right, yeah. right. I was thinking it seemed like them the two kids, like when you come home and you left your kids at the house and be like, I'm going to be back in about an hour. And you come home and something <laughs> broke and they trying to explain. Two people would just slap, take turns slapping the shit out until one of them pass out. Yeah, yeah. That's just what... Just make the debate that at least yeah. they would take turns and yeah, call it what it is. And we we already know who gonna Joe would win that one because Donald said he got the little hand. So oh wow, I don't know, man. <laughs> oh, 
Trump got saying. reach, bro. Trump yeah. got height and reach, bro. Yeah. That's momentum. We head to the first headline, which actually is a non-existent one because you're seeing in the middle of the debate Donald Trump doing his usual, uh, calling Elizabeth Warren Pocahontas, calling coronavirus the China plague. I mean, we mm. have become so numb and accustomed to these terms that we don't even react to them anymore. So I'm just curious, what would happen to one of y'all if you just went up into work, went up in your neighborhood, just casually using racist terms, Roy? Uh, if it's a black neighborhood, folks would probably just agree with me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Listen, okay. We, don't like to talk, we don't like to talk about that, but you know, you get up in a black barbershop, you can say a lot of crazy stuff and we won't get called out for it. Now, if you're in your regular job, right. in corporate America, right. oh no, you got to go. I just think president is the only job that you really can't be fired from. It's just, yeah. hey, we had a meeting about what you did. Yep. We don't approve. So <laughs> right. if you got that job, yeah, you may as well just say whatever the hell you want. What you gonna do? Shula, what you think? No. Um, well, I've, I've been in a position where I was the only black person at work, and it was a lot of racist stuff <clears throat> that was said and, and was done. Yeah. And uh, But, you know, God got a way of, 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 of handling things because uh, the manager died, so I'm, I'm good. You know what I mean? It's just, you know... <laughs> But when they go, I mean, I felt like the world was a better place. And I'm just being honest. It's sad to say that, but I was just like, oh, okay, I guess nobody else got to do that. personal stuff coming up in here, Roy. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I found out a racist teacher from my past mm -hmm. is now living alone and miserable in Birmingham. And it feels good. It feels good to know that truth about that person. <laughs> yeah. like, when you hear about terrible people suffering just a little bit, it makes you feel good. And I know that's Something. not in the Bible, but it should be. I wrote no. it in my Bible in the back in the blank pages. Book of mm -hmm. Roy. There is something that smiles on the inside when you know that somebody who has wronged you in some kind of way mm. is just suffering. That let, that let me know that God has my back. He has my best. Josina, that's, that's, that's why they put them blank pages in the back of the Bible so you can add stuff like this to it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't I know thought, about that. Does that happen at y'all's Baptist church? Because I didn't hear about that part of the Bible. I thought everybody knew that, Roy. You need to catch up, JoJo. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Let's move on to Serena Williams, who withdrew recently from the French Open with an Achilles injury and also citing bad timing. So, uh, you know, Serena has money on top of money. And I'm just wondering, is there anything that you all feel like she should just be doing better with her time? Or is there anything that you all would just be citing bad timing for that you think would actually you'd actually get away with? I'll take Serena Williams at 30%. It's still an inspiration to see her out there doing the damn thing. I don't know if you saw the U.S. Open. They had her foot taped. All, her foot was taped all the way. <laughs> the leg was up. I was like, she got on all the tape. <laughs> she is out there struggling for a us. Cast. It's a right. cast. Yeah, right. It's but a cast. I, I still think it's interesting that she's citing bad timing. I mean, you know when the grand slams are, are coming up, and you know, I don't know if I could just go up in my job and say, hey, today, you know, I, I'm not gonna perform for the Super Bowl because it's bad timing. I mean, I know when it's coming up, but the Achilles injury is explainable, Shula, right? Yeah, it is. I mean, okay, I, I hate nobody hates this more than her. We talking about the same person with the braids. <laughs> with no makeup on, yeah. yeah. At the, at the yeah. end, just her and her sister, just yeah. 
<laughs> like this girl, we back in Compton. Don't even, you know, I don't play. That's, you know what I'm saying? My dog barking in the background at some random neighbor just walking past. I don't know what is going on, acting like a bad behind That's dog. That's what little dogs That's... do. Little dogs will bark. <laughs> look, look, at look at her. See, just all up in the show. Now, America, see, look, meet my dog. There you go. Y'all see her? <laughs> Peaches? As peaches? No, that, this is not peaches. But I do call her Bernice when she get in the attitude. Nala Bernice when she get in the attitude. I thought, I thought you named her peaches. I like a Black people always name her dog peaches or something. All right, to the third headline, Kentucky Attorney General Daniel Cameron can't get out of the news, uh, but at least he did concede to finally uh, wanting to show the records, the transcripts, and the recordings in the Breonna Taylor case after a grand juror basically uh, called him out for, according to them, uh, and anonymously doing so, misleading the public as to what they were presenting. Now you got Rihanna calling out Daniel Cameron, uh, Tamika Mallory, who you know is a co-founder in the Women's March Movement, calling them out. So I'm just curious, is there anything, or what can Daniel Cameron do to finally be allowed back to the cookout again, Schuler. No, no, he good. No, don't nobody no. want, don't nobody want him over there. First of all, I don't no. like his hairline. That's I don't like his hairline. Yeah. What's wrong with his hairline? <laughs> First of all, any black man who uh -huh. is not does not have a, who's not losing his hair. Yeah, still doesn't take care of his hairline. I, I, I have no respect for him, and he doesn't have a mustache. And I don't like the way his uh, I don't. I don't like anything about him. And after he did that, you can end racism by two things: one, telling the truth, mm -hmm. and two, mm -hmm. respect everybody's humanity the same. And if you don't do that, no cookout for you, sir. No cookout. Go ahead. Go ahead, Roy. At the end of the day, this is about being transparent. He was not. This was about at least giving the a jury in a court of law an opportunity to hear the case. Mm -hmm. Let them decide whether or not it was murder, but to even decide that we're not even going to charge them, we're not even going to consider homicide, not even negligent, not even oops, my bad manslaughter. So Daniel Cameron can't even walk around in Detroit, D.C., Brooklyn, nowhere. Hell no. If he get invited to the cookout, guess who on the grill? <laughs> Who's on the grill? Him. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what I'm talking about. Get, at nah, least put man. him to work, right? Yeah, I should have nah. said no, no, no. I'm talking. About, I ain't talking about cooking on the grill. I'm talking about he on the grill. Oh, he's actually. <laughs> oh, he literally. Yeah. Okay, I he see on the And we'll start with the fourth headline. Designer Jeremy Scott produced a fashion film with puppets instead of actually having actual people because you know Corona. So I'm just curious if you guys got an invitation to this uh, fashion show and showed up and seen plastic Naomi Campbell and Kanye West in the front row. What would you do, Roy? I would leave. That's some get out shit. <laughs> Respectfully, you know, right, I know right. you got to be creative and you still got to do what you got to do to sell your brand and the clothing and be creative in these unprecedented times. Right. I don't, I don't fuck with dolls and man. I'm sorry for cussing. I just, that ain't my thing. <laughs> dolls, <laughs> mannequins. And you know, they're not going to spit on you. Yo, shoot, you ever worked with a ventriloquist act before? And then they no, bring the bro, dummy I in can't. the car and put, the, yo. <laughs> What? I ain't gonna name his name, right, but right. I went to pick up a ventriloquist from the airport. He put the dummy in the back seat, put the seatbelt on him, and was like, let's go. I'm like, oh. You ain't gotta name his name. There's only like two black ventriloquists. <laughs> <laughs> It's one or the other. Right, right, <laughs> it was right. a white one. It was a white okay, one. Okay, all right, all right. <laughs> I ain't gonna put that on Willie Tyler unless <laughs> don't you disrespect. Hey, Shula, so you got problems with plastic people, you know, at a fashion show in these times where we trying to guard against the corona. I mean, can we celebrate the guy for being creative or no? 
I mean, I can celebrate them from my house, but if I was invited, I would never. I'm I'm with Roy. We not staying. And I'm this is this is a funeral director. I can hang out in a room full of dead people, but a bunch of dolls. Oh no, we not. That scared the hell out of me. I mean, I can hang out with dead people in a in a dark room for right. hours at a time, but I am not about to sit up here with no dolls. Dead person don't move. Right. That doll do that shit you with one of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Morning. All right, so we're moving on to the fifth headline. And the last one, of course, your girl Cardi B is in the news because she wants to trademark whack. And I'm just curious, do y'all have any clean thing that you can say about what that might cost the American people if she actually is successful at doing that, Roy? Get you some, I ain't gonna wear the apparel. Don't think you're gonna see me walking down the street wearing a WAP pullover, a hoodie, you know, and, and I don't think that. I do think that it would be good for people to wear in the club so you know who to holler at and who not to. Like, you know, I got that WAP or I'm looking for WAP and that way there's no misunderstandings on first dates. Uh, yeah, but that would pose a problem. Um, what it would cost is that you have a bunch of people out here uh, that will be accused of false advertisement. Okay. You got to throw that on a shirt or a hat and saying, I got the WAP, WAP over here and all other kind of no good and well. You sitting on sun-dried sandpaper and you know what I mean? I don't I don't want to say nothing, you know, too bad, yeah, but. Uh, <laughs> yeah. like, I don't know if he's getting memories or what is going on. <laughs> All right, my bad. You say I'm gonna keep it. I'm gonna keep, keep it. You keep it 100. Know, you keep it at 100 million you, right you now, just so you know. Wapless, you know what I mean? I'm just saying. Uh, I said, look, I said y'all got any clean kind? That oh. is clean, but you know, we just getting visual there. Yeah, Roy, you, you know okay? I mean? You need some Nyquil? You need to go back to bed? I'm good, I'm you need good, to start the I'm day good. over. He just spitting. just spitting gospel. That's all I'm listening to the Reverend. Go ahead, Reverend. All right, yeah. all right. Well, listen. You know, I appreciate y'all doing the headlines with me this morning. Newspaper with T. Coming up next, we've got Lions running back Adrian. Peterson coming off that big win against the Arizona Cardinals and Kyler Murray 26 to 23 victory. I'm curious real quick, y'all got anything to say to Adrian Peterson y'all want me to pass on? Let me hold something. It's a recession. <laughs> exactly. You need some you money? You want me to give him your cash you app? Okay, so we welcome in new Lions running back Adrian Peterson into the Undefined studio. We appreciate you on your day off. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. You know, the Titans and the Vikings having to shut down their facilities after the NFL announced that uh, eight members of the Tennessee Titans tested positive for COVID. So when you hear something like this, um, what does it make you feel with regards to the risk that you're putting yourself in just by even playing the season? Yeah, it's just a reminder that, hey, that, that risk is still out there, you know, and you know, the good thing is, you know, this would be a good trial to see how things pan out with what the NFL has put in place and just in case this type of situation happens. It kind of just goes to show that the NFL, you know, is really doing a great job as far as, you know, being able to to, to be able to narrow it, narrow it down and see, okay, who these eight people, who were they around, you know? So let's make sure that we test these people as well. 
Well, it kind of also goes to show, even though, yes, they are doing a good job of, you know, having immediate contact tracing and alerting those who potentially were exposed, but it also shows you in a league where you're doing testing pretty frequently that the virus can still leak in because you can be carrying COVID um, for a while before it actually produces a positive test if a player or any individual from a club was around somebody that was shedding virus. That could be yeah. on any day. Yeah, yeah, that, that is true, man. You know, we, we get tested every single day. Literally, there's no there's no day off, you know. So I know that is one of the reasons that they were able to, you know, catch it. Especially with this being out there right now, what's going through your mind when you're coming into contact with a player who's tackling you, breathing on you, got spit on you, you know, you're yeah. like, I mean, what, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it definitely makes you, you know, open your eyes to be like, wow, you know, like, just got to be extra cautious of what's what's going on. You know, we kind of think, you know, they're being too, you know, too strong on us when they lock us down, when we go to different, different states and they pretty much put us in a bubble. But, you know, this right here is a good example of why they're doing that. And last question on that. Are you limiting contact to your family at all as a result of this? Like, are you just staying away or, or are you still seeing your kids and your family and your wife and all that other stuff? Yeah, I, um, you know, they've been kind of down in Houston right now, but, you know, they'll be coming up. You know, for me, I don't really move around that much as anyway when I'm here. You know, I grab something to eat real quick and I'm, I'm back here at the house um, just relaxing. So you're having you know, to tell them to, you know, really be careful. Exactly. Everyone has to be committed and, uh, you know, wear these masks when you're around people. You know, because I, I do believe the mask can be, you know, can be harmful as well, mm -hmm. you know, um, with people that have like underlying issues and just, you know, breathing in air, like you're not really getting the full oxygen you get when you're wearing a mask. So, but when I'm around people, I make sure I have it on, but you know, as soon as I get in the car, I'm, I'm taking it off so I can, you know, breathe in. By yourself. Yeah. Just to exactly. be mm -hmm. Yeah, of course. Mm -hmm. Yeah, to clean you up a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let's move on. I mean, you know, some very good news for you guys in the Lions. You actually had your first victory of the season against the Cardinals, 26 to 23. So that's good, right? Oh, yeah. That's definitely oh, yeah. Good. And so just tell me what your mindset was going into that game, into Arizona, when you guys were 0-2 and, and you were facing a team that was 2-0 and at the time. Yeah, you know, we knew we could compete. We knew we could beat them. You know, you, you think back to week one, being up by 17 with seven minutes left in the fourth quarter, then giving that game away. And, uh, you know, being up against Aaron Rodgers, you know, 14 to three in Green Bay, and, you know, that game kind of unraveling. So, you know, we were able to kind of look at ourselves and say, hey, man, you know, like we need to correct the things that we can correct. So, you know, coming into this week, we knew we were – you know, going up Our against hype, it was opportunity. Yeah, it was opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Going against a good team offensively, defensively. And we just have to show that, hey, you know, we can compete with everybody, with anybody. And, uh, you know, we are a good team, you know. So I think this right here, you know, I don't think it opened people's eyes because when you watch the tape, you're able to see, like, okay, this is a good team. You know, they, they pretty much tricked off two games. Well, actually, one, Green Bay, Green Bay, Green Bay got us. Um, but, you know, they're playing some plans to good football. It was just a good example of what we can do once we, uh, you know, protect the ball and do the right things offensively, defensively, and special teams. Special teams play outstanding. I think they were the best group of the, um, of the day. And, uh, you know, just all phases 
playing in sync, man, we can be a force. I see you sent a little message out to people there. Like, when you see the film, you see we are a good team. So, you're like, letting, letting yeah. folks know, don't just sleep just because of past history. Like, you know, we have some components here. That'd be the worst thing. You hear people be like, oh, was, was Arizona, were they sleeping? Were they just expecting a, a W? No, they weren't. They were not thinking that because they watch film. And they know that, hey, you know what? This is a good team and uh, we can lose <laughs> if we don't come in and put our best foot forward. So how are you able to still get 75 yards rushing? Um, you're leading the lines in rushing right now with 209 uh, rushing yards, averaging 4.9 yards per carry, even with uh, the pressure still getting to Stafford the last two weeks. Uh, he was sacked four times in Arizona, four times uh, before that. So that's letting you know that the defensive line is still penetrating through, and yet you're still getting your rushing yards. I, you know, this is contribute to the guys up front and the guys out wide you know, uh, creating those opportunities for me. Those sacks too, um, you know, my, my, my guy got to kind of, he got to throw the ball away sometimes, you know. And I, and, you talking about uh, Stafford? Yeah, he got, you, yeah. You, you he, getting yeah. in Stafford's ear already, been there about 2.5 <laughs> seconds time getting rid of the ball? <laughs> you yeah. ain't worried about he, nothing no time, huh? You know what, but what I love about him, he's such a competitor though, you know, yeah. like, so he's he's keeping that ball to the last second to, to try to find a guy that's open, you know, and sometimes it's kind of, it comes back to bite them. And, uh, you know, that set kind of looked bad on the offensive line. But, you know, those guys are doing a great job up front, opening holes and, and protecting them. So that's how the conversation go. you like, my dude, my dude, I need you to release that ball, bro. Throw it away, man. Throw it away, throw it away, throw it away, bro. So listen, you had up close and personal view of the Cardinals just – Tell me what you think after having gone there, the difference that DeAndre Hopkins is really making, you know, for this team and just trying to explain even to undefined how in the world did the Texans trade DeAndre Hopkins? I don't know. I don't know how they <laughs> traded him. You know, I don't that right that still to this point is is mind boggling to me. I don't know how they let that guy go, but yeah. he's 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 a game changer. You, you can't get that, you know. He's he's a top three player. In, in, in the NFL. So when you mix him with the other receivers that got, you know, led by Larry, um, and then you got Kyle Murray out there doing his thing as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, you know, they are a dynamic offense. That defensive line is, is really good too. Going up against them, got a new respect for them. They're a solid team, you know. I don't want to see them again, but <laughs> if we do, we'll be ready for them again, you know, but they, uh, they're back. Yeah, they are that good of a team. Now, I want to know how you are still so productive. Tell everybody how old you are right now. 35. 35 years What now. is the secret sauce? You still coming out here, you know, blowing by guys at 35. I mean, I don't know if I should take credit for my celery juice recommendations and elderberry <laughs> recommendations. I mean, what, what, what is it? <laughs> and then you got to tell people I'll save your life with this <laughs> recommendation if you want to go there. But go ahead. <laughs> You are what you eat. So I try to, you know, steer towards keeping the healthy stuff in my body. And, um, you know, I think the most important thing is mentally. You know, I don't allow my my mind to program to, hey, you're 35 years old, you should be going downhill. You know, I'm always telling myself I'm young, I'm fresh, you know, I'm feeling good, I'm feeling like I'm 20. You know, you, you got you to make sure you're taking care of your body and you're pushing your body to the limit, you know. So... I'm going to stay in my realm, stay locked in on what I believe and, you know, go out there and continue to surprise people when I'm just like, hmm, 
I don't know why you're surprised. <laughs> well, because really the fact of the matter is breaking news, your father is Hercules. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's where you really get it from. Do you want to tell people about how I saved your life or you want to move on? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when I got down to Washington, we had to go through the protocol of getting tested, you know, and so I was getting tested for the COVID and then they also were screening for the antibodies as well, which is process they take, they draw your blood and they test, they test it that way. So I selected to do that as well. Um, and my, my test came back negative and then my antibody test, antibody test came back positive. So which means that I, I had it at some point, I had the COVID at some point, like <clears throat> the early March, I was experiencing some symptoms. Uh, I had lost my, you know, my sense of my, my taste and I couldn't really smell anything. And um, this was like before those symptoms became known. So, but it felt weird. Um, I didn't have any other really side effects at night, only at night when I was asleep, I, I would cough a lot. And this happened, this lasted maybe like three to four days. And then it just, it just went away. You know, but during that time, um, I had started drinking, I ordered this elderberry tea. And now you can look on my Instagram and, and see a post that I had made. Your big um, elderberry concoction that you up there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I was drinking the elderberry tea, elderberry vitamins and things like that, and ginger and all these, you know, natural um, herbs and stuff that you could, you know, you could take. And you know, and I had the family taking it as well during that time. And I, I really felt like that was something that, that helped me, you know, helped me, it passed through my system quick. Yeah. You know, the wife and the kids, they uh, didn't have any issues or, or anything like that. Um, it all worked out, it all worked mm -hmm. out. It and who introduced out. you to the elderberry? Thank you so much. I Joe, mean, you Joe. can say my name. Go ahead. Let the folks know. Okay, Thank I'm just trying so to be trying to tell y'all to take that elderberry. See, Mama Joe always trying to take care of y'all. I really appreciate that, too. See, I try to tell you. I remember talking to Griff up in uh, Seattle and all that other uh -huh. stuff and keep telling these players, you know, take those lozenges, keep them, keep them, you know, in you when you're traveling. So even when the, mm -hmm. the second you feel something, put it in. And even if you feel like the little hint, it will, you can, you can feel it processing through you. And the fact that you feel like you only had symptoms for four days, uh, you know, let alone the fact that you're half, you know, half man, half whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Are you processing your departure, your abrupt departure rather, you know, from Washington right now, as you sit, um, you know, going into week four of the NFL season right now with a new team? Things changed for me. The family was actually getting ready to come up that next week. Um, and then just like, bam, you know, I, I was released and, uh, you know, thank God I was, you know, able to talk to a couple of teams and, and felt like this was the best opportunity for me. I really felt like this is a, a better fit for me. Really? Um, Why? Yeah. Yeah. Um, just being able to, you know, have a role and be able to contribute and, uh, you know, show that, Hey, you know, I, I don't know why they released me, <laughs> you know, and. I feel like, you know, if you, people that's been watching the past few weeks, you know, they're probably scratching their head, wondering the same thing. It's what I envisioned, you know, when I watched this team and um, was able to get in the building and, and, and see what we had on both sides of the ball, you know. Mm -hmm. So 
that's why I feel like it's, it's a better, it's a better, it's a better situation for me. Did I hear you just slip in there that uh, some people might be wondering why the Washington football team released you uh, after the last couple? Did I just hear you slip that in there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, what do you mean by that? Because of the fact that they they lost the last couple games, you f- or you feel like you feel like the team misses what you would have brought to the rushing game. Yeah, you know, I feel like they're missing, you know, what I what I could have brought to the table, you know, and um, so yeah, that's what I meant by that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is what it is now, you know. It's no love, you know, and it is what it is, you know. Uh, no love lost, whatever. But a lot of people are just like I know a lot of people are. I, I see a lot of the comments, you know. You know well, you are is- averaging four point nine yards per carry. Antonio uh, Gibson is averaging four point five. He has one forty. Um, you have 209, obviously, different circumstances with games and matchups mm-hmm. and all like that. And and yeah. clearly, you know, you were very complimentary of him on your way out and knowing how mm-hmm. they wanted to use him, particularly as a receiving rushing back as well. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, life moves on, right? Exactly. When you look at a guy like Devontae Freeman, who took his time, you know, uh, waited a little bit more, uh, had potentially if he had signed a week earlier, could have been with the Eagles, was tra- talking to the Colts there for a little bit, the Jaguars, what have you. Um, you know, potentially if you had waited, maybe that, you know, you could have been a giant. I don't know. But uh, do, do you feel like you're comfortable with your decision to basically almost go, what was it, 48 hours after the fact? How, how quick was it? Yeah. 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 It was rather quick. You know, I, I was I was sold after talking to Bev, Coach Bev and, uh, you know, Coach Patricia and, um, you know, Kyle, running back coach. You know, I, I love I love what I was hearing. Um, you know, what they expected from me, you know, and like I said, looking at the team uh, in, in all phases, I knew that, you know, this team could really turn around and do some big things this year. You know, we started off rough, um, but, you know, we're in a position now where we can start stacking some some wins and, you know, uh, people can start understanding that decision, you know, even more. Well, you do got a tough one. We'll, we'll get that. We'll get to that, you know, with the Saints, you know, Coming up next, um, well, actually, we can talk about it right now because, uh, you know, first of all, I just wanted you to, one, just kind of preview that matchup against the Saints. Hope, I'm hoping that my guy, Tom, is, is out again. You know, I'm like, <laughs> no, no, man, if you really try to send a message, you got to do it with everybody playing because now, listen, if he did play, which I don't believe that he will, but if he does play, you know, and you do win, then now you're really sending a message. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I get that, but I'll take the W without him playing. <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll see you guys in playoffs. Okay. We'll, we'll okay. see you guys in the playoffs. <laughs> okay. Okay. So one interesting thing, lastly, about you coming to Detroit is that you are currently fifth on the all-time rushing list with 14,425 rushing yards. And the gentleman above you is none other than Lions rushing great Barry Sanders, who's currently at the fourth position. You are 844 yards away, which means from now and 13 more games, you'd have to average 64 rushing yards per game to tie and obviously, you know, get one more to get above that. But how do you feel about your uh, prospects for getting at least 60 plus yards or more a game in order to get to uh, that threshold or above it? And our offense is starting to click and get into a rhythm and find our identity. Uh, I feel pretty confident that I'll get there. In the, oh, okay, in okay, the past. okay, 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 okay. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I've always felt like a thousand yards is easy for a back to get, you know. Mm. And even the times like, you know, I, I kind of feel I feel short last year and 
or whatnot. But, you know, I've always felt that way that, you know, mm -hmm. a thousand, you should definitely get a thousand. Um, money. But, you know, that all depends on the role that you're playing as well. So I, I get it. I get it. Um, and my fullback, Cabinda, man, he is, uh, you know, he, he, he's one. He, he, I, I played with some great fullbacks. You know, but he's he's proven himself. So he he, he got he has a lot more to, to to prove. You know, before I put him up there above like a Tony Richardson and you know Jerome Felton. You know, a lot of guys that I played with that um, did some great things um, for me. But uh, you know, he's he's helping out tremendously when it comes to that to that run game. So you know, um, you know, guys willing. You know, everyone stays healthy, including including myself. You know, uh, I'll be able to pass that. You know, I was just texting Barry uh, maybe like a month ago. You know, it was something totally different that we were talking about. And it's just like, wow, here I am now. And now you don't know. block your number because you could <laughs> in his city trying to take his darn record. That's why you can't get through. That's why you ain't talk to him. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll tell you this, though. Yeah. No matter what I do here in Detroit, yeah. I can never top Barry Sanders here. You know, so, you know, I'm sure he's not tripping at all <laughs> oh no 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 that's definitely large shoes no matter who you are even for the great adrian peterson well listen we appreciate you joining us in the undefined lounge and joining me on my new show so thank you for your time no problem thank you thank you we gotta do it again gotta do it oh, again. of course oh no no i'm gonna be bothering you don't be <laughs> this is the last time you're gonna be on this show i might catch you after a game for some reaction you go off for 300 games So as promised, we're going to transition now to that very special segment with two politicians as we near the all-important presidential election on November 3rd that is less than 40 days away. And just a quick reminder, we want to say here on Undefined that everyone from all parties are invited to speak and share their ideas on this platform. But for now, we're going to start with these two gentlemen. So we are joined by Majority Whip Congressman James E. Clyburn into the Undefined Lounge this evening. And so welcome into the Undefined Lounge. I appreciate you joining us. Well, thank you for having me. So as we know, President Trump uh, has nominated Amy Coney Barrett to the uh, Supreme Court. I wonder what thoughts you have on Barrett's reported ties to a conservative religious group who has some former members saying that the, the group elevates the role of men and uh, some reports also saying that Barrett prefers the application of originalism to the interpretation of the text of the Constitution, which could be a problem to people who do not feel equally treated under the law. I always say elections have consequences. Uh, and four years ago, uh, Donald Trump asked a question, and he asked it of the black community. What do you have to lose? Well, he answered the question uh, over the past four years. It's the Affordable Care Act, and that hangs in the balance. And everybody's reported he has a promise that given the opportunity, uh, this appointee, this nominee, I should say, will vote to get rid of the Affordable Care Act. So all of those people who went out there uh, not able to uh, vote for Hillary Clinton, decided to take a chance on Donald Trump, they now know the answer to that question. We've also lost over 200,000 lives. And a disproportionate number of those were African-Americans. And, and thousands of African-Americans have lost their livelihoods. So we know what we got to lose. We've got to lose almost everything. But the country has a lot to lose because what we're doing is losing 
this fragile democracy. And that, to me, uh, is what this is all about. What do you also think um, about the fact that Barrett has been touted as an ideological heir to justice, Antonin Scalia, who's a staunch abortion rights opponent uh, for whom she clerked, particularly when you consider the fact that uh, Barrett, uh, should she be appointed, uh, would be replacing Justice uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who was a beacon for equality, especially for women? We're going 180 degrees with disappointment. But I'm going to say once again, it's what the consequences of an election is all about. That's why I don't understand uh, black people today. Who, I mean, I saw a poll the other day said that, uh, that this guy is getting 10% of the black vote. Well, something must be wrong with them. Mm. I don't believe uh, that many uh, black people are out of their minds. Here's a guy who tells you up front, uh, looked in the camera on one occasion and referred to a black woman as a dog, I'm the father of three black women, and I don't see anybody who will accept that. I don't understand that. I cannot uh, accept that beyond anything else. And he looks and see Klansmen and white supremacists and say they're good people among them. Come on. Well, you mentioned that you're a father to uh, three uh, black daughters. So how concerned should women be about the preservation of their right to bodily autonomy or potentially concerned about the overturning of Roe v. Wade? I think it's really hanging in the balance. Mm -hmm. Roe v. Wade is hanging in the balance. Uh, there won't be one vote to overturn it. It would be chipping away, chipping away, chipping away. That's what they do with the Voting Rights Act. Chipping away, chipping away, chipping away, and finally, uh, it's now uh, been uh, rendered impotent. And we've got to get uh, someone in office who will recognize that a lot of states are still discriminating against voters. And all you got to do is look at what they did immediately after the Supreme Court made that decision within 24 hours. My state of South Carolina put in a new suppression law. You got to uh, have photo ID the vote. That's never been the case in the history of this country, even when we had rank discrimination. We didn't have that kind of laws. In the last primary mm -hmm. in Kentucky, mm -hmm. folded over 200 polling places into one. Mm. Had long lines. People still out there banging on the windows trying to vote uh, after, uh, and they were locked out. Same thing up in Wisconsin. Understood. People well, recently we've seen the power of protest and raising individual voices and what that can do, particularly in the uh, Breonna Taylor case where the Attorney General in Kentucky, Daniel Cameron, has recently conceded to releasing reports, recording and transcripts uh, after one uh, a, a, you know, anonymous grand juror said that you know, basically that should happen. And also we've seen the power of it in national sports where the Black Lives Matter movement is more accepted. Uh, so is kneeling and speaking out on social injustice. But I'm curious when it comes to November 3rd and the election, how much you really feel like we'll see that uh, energy of equality represented at the polls, or do you ultimately end up thinking that it will be hollow or just looking trendy when it comes to the fact that the outcome of this uh, election could be closer than people think? Well, the outcome could be closer. Incumbency is a very strong thing in this country, uh, and Donald Trump is the incumbent. Uh, but that doesn't mean uh, he cannot be defeated. And a lot of people said Joe Biden had no chance. 
Well, as I look at the polls today, he's leading in every uh, poll in the battleground states, uh, states that Trump won the last time. Uh, Joe Biden is now leading by 10. So we can win, uh, but we cannot win if you don't get in and play the game. Uh, you got to vote in order to win. And so people who are complaining about things not going their way mm -hmm. and on the sidelines complaining, mm -hmm. uh, you don't get much for doing that. Well, speaking of the sidelines, how much do you feel the protests that we are seeing in national sports, uh, particularly football, and more of the acceptance of that is a reflection of the desire of the country potentially to actually be more post-racial? I think one of the reasons you see more acceptance of that is because many of those sports figures have gotten involved in, 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 in the years past. I won't call any names, but I've been very disappointed uh, to see uh, highly salaried uh, sports people staying on the sidelines. In uh, 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 Colin Kaepernick, uh, I, I just love the fact that he decided not to stand on the sidelines, but instead kneel on the sidelines. And kneeling on the sidelines rather than standing on the sidelines has made all the difference in the sports world. It's made all the difference all across the spectrum. I believe that he was the great impetus between him uh, and um, uh, a few other incidents. Uh, Black Lives Matter now enjoys uh, about a 70% acceptance uh, from the, the American people. Well, speaking of getting in the game, what are your thoughts on a new poll showing your former staffer, Jamie Harrison, leading South Carolina uh, Senator Lindsey Graham by one point, according to Forbes? I believe in Jamie. And when he got into this race, nobody gave him a chance. Now, everybody is giving him a chance, including Lindsey Graham. Mm -hmm. He can win, but he can't win sitting on the sidelines. You get into the game, you play the game, and maybe you'll win. So, Congressman, what do you think is the potential for Democrats to potentially flip the Senate, needing uh, at least three to four seats, depending on which party wins the vice presidency, to potentially take the majority away from Republicans? I think it's a 50-50 chance that Democrats will uh, take the Senate uh, and a better than 50% chance that we'll increase uh, our uh, uh, numbers uh, in the House. And I think it's a little better than 50-50 that we'll get the White House because people are sick of this blustery. They're sick of this ignorance. They're sick uh, of Donald Trump. Well, uh, we definitely appreciate your time, Majority Whip, Congressman uh, James E. Clyburn, joining us in the Undefined Lounge. Uh, thank you for having me. All right, we appreciate your time. All right, well, first of all, thank you for joining us. I appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you so much, Justina. Great to be here. Yeah. Well, listen, we're nearing a very important presidential election uh, November 3rd, less than 40 days away, and the country's still keeping an eye on the composition of the U.S. Senate and the balance of legislative power, particularly as um, there's a potential to flip three or four seats and um, take over uh, Republican control right now, depending on which party wins the vice presidency. So one of those states to watch, everybody, is Georgia, where there is a very, very competitive race. Uh, between the incumbent GOP uh, Senator David Perdue and my guest, John Ossoff, the Democrat challenger. Thank you for joining us. I appreciate it. 
Thank you so much. Pleased <laughs> to be here. What is contributing basically to Georgia being a competitive battleground? You know, when you think of five of the six uh, Senate elections since the turn of the century being comfortably won by the GOP uh, candidate. There's a few things going on in Justina to, to make this the most competitive Senate race in the country here in Georgia. Mm -hmm. The first is that Georgia is becoming younger and more diverse literally by the day. Mm -hmm. And that trend has been ongoing for the last decade. And that's why races have gotten closer and closer and closer in all these big elections. But second of all, what's happened is there's been this huge investment in organizing and infrastructure, voter registration, and turnout, a lot of outreach to younger voters, a lot of outreach to communities of color who hadn't been hearing before from political campaigns. And over time, that has really paid off. And then against the backdrop of this pandemic, when there's so much disgust with our government's handling of this crisis, all of that together has made this the most competitive U.S. Senate race in the country. Well, you mentioned the pandemic, and as you know, Americans are going to vote according to their personal impact. Coronavirus, you know, obviously hovering as a big threat, particularly as the national number surpassed uh, 200,000 lives and souls uh, lost to the virus. I'm curious, how do you feel like Purdue has handled it in your state, particularly as he touts on his website that they provided $260 million in federal funding relief to increase the testing uh, capacity? And I also know that your family was personally impacted it by it with your wife um, testing positive in July. Well, just like President Trump, Senator Perdue was getting private briefings on the true scope of the threat posed by this virus early in the pandemic. And just like President Trump, he was out in public lying and downplaying the threat. Mm. You know, Senator Perdue was telling the people of my state that the risk to our health was low. You know, you mentioned that my, my wife came down with COVID-19 in July. She's an OBGYN doctor mm -hmm. at Grady Hospital here. Delivering babies from mothers who are COVID positive, the spread of this virus has been so much broader and wider and faster because our leaders failed us. This goes beyond political party and partisanship. This is about the basic competence and integrity of our government when our lives are on the line. But do you feel like your opponent has done anything positive with regards to at least increasing the testing capacity and or spreading the message of wearing masks? The testing was a disaster. Mm -hmm. I mean, even as recently as just a few weeks ago, a lot of people in Georgia were having to wait 10 to 12 days to get test results. In the middle of a pandemic, when swift test results are vital, when you need to know quickly if you're infected so you can change your behavior and avoid infecting other people. And in terms of the economic response, mm -hmm. my opponent was one of those few senators who actually opposed even a single round of $1,200 stimulus checks for workers at the beginning of this crisis. And then he was leading the charge to try to cut unemployment insurance when millions were out of work in the middle of a pandemic. The website in your state for the Georgia Department of Labor actually touted the fact that your state has the seventh lowest unemployment rate, which was announced um, last week. So I want to know, how do you analyze your opponent's contribution to that? Well, millions of Georgians have had to file jobless claims, mm -hmm. uh, you know, in the last several months, more Americans have been out of work than at any time in our country's history. And again, the failed public health response made the economic damage so much worse. 
But Georgia then, is below the national mark. You know, it's at 8.4. I think Georgia's at 5.6. And I do believe, although unemployment should never be above zero, but at least it has been coming down since April to, to a certain extent. We've seen a partial recovery in mm-hmm. the jobs market. Mm-hmm. Millions of Georgians have had to file unemployment claims. Mm-hmm. And I think that what's really troubling is that while it's clear that the economy needs additional support desperately, the Senate went on vacation. Mm -hmm. The Senate went on a month-long summer recess while at the same time, the extended unemployment insurance had expired. The PPP small business lending had expired. There had been no additional support, no support really at all for local schools that needed to open. And they still haven't passed any substantive additional relief. And speed matters in a situation like this. I mean, look how swiftly the Senate is moving to confirm a Supreme Court justice. Well, your opponent would say, uh, Purdue, that, listen, he did support um, the $2.9 trillion package, which included $660 billion to the Paycheck Protection Program. And, and then I've read that they feel like the, the Democratic plan is too expensive. It's, you know, it's not targeted enough. So how do you respond to that? My opponent says a lot of things, <laughs> but the bottom line is that, first of all, he was opposing fighting against $1,200 stimulus checks for workers. Mm. Think about that. I mean, that just speaks to how corrupt the political system is. He had no objection to vast sums going to the largest banks, the most powerful industries in the country. He took a month-long vacation in the middle of all this. Well, I think that they would say that there's some agreement that there needs to be some stimulus package. But as you mentioned, there hasn't been additional funds and there's just disagreement as to, you know, how that should be allocated for sure. Let's move along to um, race relations right now. Atlanta was definitely at the center of the news, particularly after the shooting death of uh, Rayshard Brooks, which uh, continued to spark national protest. Um, Your opponent, though, was quoted as saying, our police forces need to reflect the communities we serve. But he also said people are concerned that we support our police and that we also, quote, maintain law and order. So how do you feel that your opponent uh, regards the national protests going on in the country and also in your state? Well, I don't think he takes it too seriously. You know, I was out marching with the NAACP in July for criminal justice reform a huge multiracial, multi-generational, peaceful coalition assembled to demand change, to demand strengthen civil rights laws, to demand reform of policing practices in this country. And I was out there alongside Bishop Jackson of the AME Church, who told me that not only had Senator Perdue not come to address the people as the bishop had invited him, Hmm. he didn't even respond to the invitation. I mean, my opponent has referred to the systemic problems in American policing, which demand reform, as isolated incidents. He doesn't recognize that there's a systemic issue. Well, the Washington Post has a poll from the AARP that says that you're leading by one percentage point, 48 to 47. AJC had a poll done for them, which has uh, Purdue up by two percentage points. So as we close, what do you feel like your message has to be in order to um, grow your edge or to make sure that you um, have one and win? that it's time to reunite this country to ensure that every single American has the health care they need to invest in infrastructure and clean energy to jumpstart this economy and invest in our future and sustainability 
and protect our planet for future generations, to listen to scientists and medical experts in a public health emergency to get this virus under control and to reform our corrupt campaign finance system. That's the platform that I put forward. This is the closest US Senate race in the country. There's a reason that Mitch McConnell has spent more money against me than literally any other Democratic challenger in America. And I humbly ask your viewers and listeners to check out my website, electjohnelectjon.com to learn more and consider helping out. Well, John Ossoff, we definitely appreciate you joining Undefined and clarifying and sharing your platform with us as we get closer to not only the presidential election, but your race uh, with David uh, Perdue. And good luck to you. Uh, Hopefully there's record number of voter participation and attention as we try to uh, figure out the next steps for this country. Thank you for joining Undefined. Thank you, Justina. My pleasure. We are welcoming back Roy Wood and Shula King for the morning after where we react to videos and random things uh, in this segment. And you guys had a chance to look at something that got posted to TikTok this morning. A guy uh, putting his foot in the laundry sink or something like that. And then uh, I don't know what happened. I'm just curious. How would y'all react if uh, somebody you knew, your mama, your girl caught you putting your toes, your Frito looking toes in the sink in the morning? You got to go. Like, that's just got to be your last day in my house. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, I have, and I've seen some shit when it comes to bathrooms, you know? Yeah, oh, God. You know, yeah. I know people who don't flush right away. Uh. Um, I've had my toothbrush used by mm. a woman before. And all of that, you got to let slide. But when your foot, when your funky-ass foot is in the sink... <laughs> Yeah. That's wrong, man. Like, that's the kind of thing was like, you want to sit down with somebody's parents <laughs> and just say, yeah. all right, as a collective, like everybody in the family, right? let's meet up somewhere and let's talk. Because obviously- Where did we fail? Yeah, we as a collective need to figure out what's wrong with this person. Because I need to know where this started at. Yeah, yeah. Does everybody yeah. in here put their foot in the damn sink? Well, as Chris Rock said, that's, that's just how he was raised. Intervention. That's Mm -hmm. a hygiene intervention. We're not talking about somebody who just used mouthwash instead of a toothbrush, Mm. you know, or people who don't who don't bathe every day or don't wash their legs. Right. You know, which I guess is an improvement because, I mean, at least he's getting some part of his lower body. It's all good. Jojo, you ruined my morning with that clip. No comment. (laughs) Y'all take it easy. Get out of my studio. Appreciate y'all. All All right. All right. Bye.